What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually. You need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays right here at Western High School or in microchurches throughout the week. Um, listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you. All right, guys, my name is Eddie Copeland. It is great to be back with you all together this morning as we jump in and open God's word. Uh, as AJ said, I've been here enough that I feel like we don't need any pleasantries other than I love this church. I love anytime I get an opportunity to get a glimpse what John, Nancy, and the incredible team here are stewarding at Greenhouse. And as someone that uh, goes around to a lot of our churches here in South Florida, I can honestly tell you, and I don't say this at every church, what God's doing here is very special and it's very different. So if you're new, you found a great church, if you're just checking out online, I encourage you to continue logging in, but come join us in person here because God's doing something special here at Greenhouse. Amen? All right, so we're going to jump right into the word this morning. So uh, we're going to continue in your restoration series with a, a theme of restoring the soil of our souls. So if you've got your Bible, if you've got your phone, let's make our way over to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 16 together. So if you've got your phone or your Bible, let's just jump right in from Luke chapter 4. Um, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 8, verse 4, and if I can get my technology to work for me, I'll read it too. All right, here we go, starting in verse 4. While a large crowd was gathered and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering his seed. Some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell amongst thorns, which grew up, and it choked out other plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up, and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. While he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let him hear. And disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. But this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes the word away from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell amongst thorns, those are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. 
No one lights a lamp on, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see it and see the light. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we ask that you would be with us this morning as we pray together, as we open your word, as we try to understand what this parable means for us in our lives as followers of you this morning. Some of us greet you this morning uh, coming in with heavy burdens. Some of us greet you this morning joyful and excited, ready for whatever the next week may hold. And others of us are coming to you for the first time this morning going, who are you and what are you about? However we find ourselves this morning, Lord, I pray that you would meet us as your people, as your children, as your sons and your daughters, and would you let your word speak powerfully to us. Bring conviction where conviction is needed and bring encouragement where encouragement is needed this morning, we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we find Jesus speaking to us as the people of God about a treasure, and he calls this treasure the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he says this about the kingdom. He says that this thing called the kingdom is actually an unusual treasure for which there ought to be nothing that gets in our way of discovering it. He says the key to unlocking this unusual treasure called the kingdom has everything to do with the seed. Not only the seed's contents, but its power to transform every element and aspect of our lives. And what we find here starting in verse 4 this morning, as we find Jesus speaking to this large crowd as he's gone around from city to city to city speaking about the kingdom of God. And as he's, he's addressing the crowds in our passage this morning, he's using this parable or this story about a farmer who's spreading this seed and what happens when the seed gets spread on all these various types of soils. Now, to properly understand this parable, we're going to have to understand something about farming in the ancient Near Eastern culture. It wasn't like farming today where we've got great, like, big combines and, and, like, GPS-driven tractors that are putting seed in these perfectly GPS kind of, like, manicured lanes of soil and cultivation and all of that. No, 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 no. This guy had a satchel on. And he's got a satchel filled with seed, and he's just taking seed, and and he's throwing seed into these little hand-dug trenches. And he's hoping, man, I'm trying my best to get the seed in these little hand-dug trenches. But naturally, because he's throwing it by hand, the seed would end up not always going into the trenches, but being spread everywhere. And he's using this story about this everyday farming process in this ancient Near Eastern culture. And he's using this story because everyone that would be listening to Jesus would be familiar with farming in their way. Farming in this time um, of, of, of the world. And he's using this story to tell us how we can relate and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he's telling us how farming and how the seed specifically unlocks the mysteries the kingdom of God. And as he's telling us this story, Jesus is not only telling us about the seed, he's also telling us about the different soils, the conditions that the seed could actually land on or fall in. And I want you to hear me real real close on this. The seed is the same, but the soil is different. The seed is the same, but the soil is different. Some wasn't soil at all, as the parable clearly points out. Some was just a walking path. Others was just this rocky area or thorny area. But not everything was where the seed was intended to go. 
But what Jesus wants us to see here this morning in the passage is that while the seed was the same, the place where this seed lands was different. He wants us to know that the success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed, but it has everything to do with where the seed actually lands, the soil and the conditions around it. You see, when the sower sows this seed, it's the landing spot of the seed that determines whether or not there's going to actually be a crop. It's going to determine if there's going to be a harvest. It's not the seed itself. And here's why this is so countercultural to what we hear in much of our churches today. You see, people in so many of our pews will say it, even if they don't say it out loud, I'm just going to tell you, they're going to say some God's word doesn't work. This church thing, this Christian thing is not really working for me. I've tried to read the Bible, but it's not working for me. Sure, I go to church, I hear the word of God preached, I sing, I participate in a community group or a micro church, I got all my Christian reels, I'm hearting all my favorite Instagram preachers, but this thing isn't working for me. Nothing in my life is changing. Nothing in my life feels different. And in our text this morning, Jesus is telling us and he's reminding us that if nothing is different in your life as a result of the word of God encountering you, the problem is not with the seed. The problem is not with the word of God. The problem is with the soil. The problem is where the seed lands that determines what the seed does. And here's what I want us to see this morning. If God's word is not working in my life, If it's not working in our lives, we need to examine the ground in which the seed landed on. We need to investigate the nature of the soil. We need to look in and around our hearts and the conditions that the word of God is finding us in, not start to critique the word of God. Let's look at the end of verse 8. Jesus calls out, He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. This is interesting to me because evidently you could have not just one, but two ears and not hear anything at all. You see, it's possible for us to come to church. It's possible for us to be part of the crowd, to hear the story and not understand what's going on at all. And not understand what God actually has for us. But let's make this plain. Let's just bring this into the church today here in South Florida. You see, while only 3% of our population would identify as a committed Christ follower or an evangelical Christian, even though that's not a popular word these days, 78% of the people here in South Florida, Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County, when asked, what religion are you, will say, I'm a Christian. 78% of our friends, neighbors, and coworkers will just loosely identify as a Christian. You see, I, I think South Florida has a unique kind of lostness. Our problem necessarily isn't filling churches. We actually can fill churches pretty decently. You see, our churches, though, are filled with people, people raising their hands, singing along, going to Bible studies, going to community groups, micro churches, posting selfies of themselves, checking in on X church on social media. You see, it's possible to come to church to hear a sermon and have heard nothing at all. It's possible to go to Bible study. It's possible to go to a connect group, a micro church, or a community group and have actually heard nothing at all. How many wives in the room can identify with that? How many wives in the room can identify with what Jesus is talking here this morning? How many times have you asked your husband, what did I just say? And he repeats back to you word for word what you just said. And the wife goes, that's not what I said at all. And you're like, it's literally what you just said. She's like, you weren't listening to me. 
You weren't listening to me at all. And that's what Jesus is actually telling us here this morning. You see, they could repeat word for word what Jesus was saying because they're listening to him. But they haven't actually heard anything. And that's what happened in our passage this morning. You see, the crowd was with Jesus because they like this teacher. They like the teaching, but they weren't actually hearing him, although they were in the place of which he was talking. Look at me at verse 9. The disciples began to question Jesus, asking him, what exactly does this parable mean? The disciples were saying, listen, Jesus, we, we heard what you just said, and just like everyone heard in, in the crowd, but Jesus, we're not getting it. We don't understand it. We like you. We like the story. You're, this is a great story. You're, you're, you're a great storyteller. You're a gifted communicator. But Jesus, can we just be honest? Huh? What are you talking about? What are you actually talking about? What does this mean for us? That's what the disciples were asking Jesus. You see, when they raised this question to Jesus, he responds in a way that blew them away, in a way that they were least expecting. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, the knowledge of the secrets, in the original language it would say mysteries, the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And I love how the message translations puts it starting in verse 10. It would say, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. These are the, there are those who need stories, but even with stories, some of them aren't going to get it. Their eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Their ears are open, but they don't hear a thing. You see, Jesus has a large crowd with him, thousands and thousands of followers, yet only a handful are going to understand what he's actually saying. And it's really important that we don't miss that. You see, Jesus had no problem drawing crowds. Our churches have no problem drawing crowds but only a handful are going to actually understand what he's saying. They're going to like this person of Jesus. They're going to like the stories of Jesus. They're going to like the stories they tell. They're, they're going to amen it. They're going to go, oh, that's so good. Yeah, preach, preacher. And they're going to affirm it, and they're not going to get it. But to further illustrate this, let's just look at the book of Matthew. Real quick, chapter 13, as Matthew's gospel tells the same story that Luke is recounting here, but Matthew gives us just a little bit more insight. You see, Jesus had just finished telling the same story as we pick up with verse 10 with the disciples asking, why do you speak to people in parables? Jesus replies, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. The same thing he's just said in Luke, but here's what Matthew adds in verse 12. He says, whoever has will be given more, and he will be given in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving, for the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. And in turning to me, I love how he ends, I would heal them. Jesus is saying, if you're actually hearing me, if you're actually understanding what I'm saying, not only will I meet you, I will meet you and I will heal you. Such a powerful word. 
I love how Dr. Tony Evans talks about this passage here, and it's really hard to emulate one of the greatest preachers of, of our time, but I love what he says here. He says, people come to church broken. They come bruised, they come hurt, they come struggling, and they don't get healed. They don't get better. But they're, they're the reason so many of us are coming to church today and not getting better is that they've come with their ears and they have refused to hear. They've come with their eyes and have refused to see. They've come with their hearts, but they have refused to perceive. It's the state in which people comes that keeps Jesus from fixing what's actually wrong with them, even though they continue to show up. Some of us, let's just be honest, let's just keep it real here for a second. Some of us have been showing up to church for years. Some of us have gone to church since we were kids. Some of us started going as adults. Some of us just started coming this morning or last week, yet nothing is changing in our lives. We quietly wonder, man, is this, is this word working? Is this Bible thing working? Is this Christianity thing working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sermons, the podcasts, the community groups, everything I'm trying to do, it's just not fixing anything. Nothing is changing in my life. Moments like Sunday morning are becoming nothing but, nothing but feel-good, inspirational moments rather than life-altering, life-changing, transformational experiences with Jesus that last beyond here in the parking lot. But it gets even worse with that. Look closely at what Jesus is telling us here this morning. He who hears will get more, but the one who does not hear will lose what he's heard. You see, I may and you may like the crowd, like the music, like the parable, like the stories, like this person of Jesus. Man, wasn't church just fire today? Wow, wasn't that such a great sermon? But between here in the parking lot, that which we have, that which what we experience can be taken away from us in an instant because it wasn't deeply rooted. Because the seed fell on soil that it wasn't bringing cultivation in. Why? Not because of the seed. Not because of the word of God, but because of the soil in which the seed landed. Because of the condition of my heart and your heart. Well, let's just continue to illustrate this a little bit. Um, my job forces me to eat a lot. I feel like I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner out most days. I spend most of my time with pastors here in South Florida, ministry leaders in South Florida, and usually that happens over a meal. So I'm very familiar with the restaurant scene here. If you ever need a good restaurant recommendation, just ask me. But um, have you ever had an appetizer, right? Everyone had an appetizer? Go to a restaurant, order an appetizer. I love appetizers. I love appetizers, okay? I love bottomless chips and salsa. I like bread with olive oil. I like it all, man. I like the calamari. Oh, man, give me some spicy calamari, right? Amen, right? I love appetizers. You see, but the appetizer is supposed to set you up for the entree. The appetizer is meant to get you hungry for the meal. But if the appetizer is all you're going to order, the appetizer is all you're going to get. You're never actually going to experience what this restaurant has to offer. You're just going to get, you're just going to get an appetizer. You see, hearing the Bible preached, hearing a sermon attending a community group or a micro church or listening to a podcast about the word of God, all you're getting is an appetizer. The disciples wanted an entree. The disciples wanted a meal. What does this all mean, they asked Jesus. You see, they, they wanted more. They had tasted something and they wanted more. What does this all mean, teacher? What does this mean 
for me. You see, they wanted to know how they were supposed to orient their lives around the stories and around the words that Jesus was sharing with them. They wanted to know the true meaning of these stories so they could implement the principles and the truths behind them in their lives. At their core, they were asking, what do I need to do? What needs to change in me in light of what you are sharing, Jesus, while the rest of the crowd is going, man, that was so good. Amen. I'm going home. Where, where, where do y'all want to eat? See the difference? The disciples were leaning in and they're going, what does this mean for me and my life? The disciples were not satisfied with an appetizer. In other words, they weren't just satisfied with the sermon. They weren't just satisfied with the Sunday morning experience. They weren't just satisfied with Christian culture and churchy things. And mostly, sadly, a lot of people in our pews today are. They leave church. They leave a community group. They watch reels for three hours of their favorite preacher. And they go, man, I'm full. I'm good. But they've not actually experienced Jesus. You see, the crowds that were following Jesus as he went around from town to town talking about the kingdom are the people that are filling so many of our churches today. They loved the appetizer, but the disciples knew that they were created for a banquet. They were created for a meal. They wanted to know what it meant for them. They wanted to know how to orient their lives around what Jesus was saying. They wanted to know how they could be transformed by these words of Jesus rather than just following him, rather than just hearing the stories they told. You see, people today are filling our churches, are showing up for an appetizers because appetizers can be fantastic. They can be enjoyable. They can be delicious. They can be deceiving to like, I think I'm full. But no, 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 the meal hasn't even come yet. You see, Jesus created you and I as his people, as his disciples. We were not created for an appetizer. We were created for a meal, for a banquet feast with the lamb, with Jesus Christ. He says, to you, it's been granted to get in on the secrets the mystery, the things that are not generally available to everybody. And friends, he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about life in the kingdom of God. He's talking about life the way that you and I were created to live and to experience it. He's talking about what it means to have the seed fall into the soil in which it was created for and it was designed to blossom in so that that seed can reap a harvest. So what's the seed? What is the true meaning of this passage that Jesus is telling us here this morning? Well, he answers it in verse 11. The meaning of the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Now, if you read that too fast, you could just gloss right over. Yeah, I get it. The seed is the word of God. No, no, no. The seed is the Bible. The seed is the word of God. The word of God is the seed. And it's really important that we don't miss this. You see, when the word of God comes to us, it only comes to us in seed form. When you get the word, you only get the acorn, you don't get the oak tree. Follow along here. You see, the oak, the tree, this beautiful tree is in the acorn. But when God gives you his word, all he gives you is the seed. He gives you the acorn, in order for that acorn to blossom, to become a tree, the seed, that acorn must be planted in soil in an environment in which it can grow to become one of the most beautiful trees in the world. 
Because all you get when you read the word of God, when you hear the word of God and listen to the word of God, no matter how good it is, no matter who preaches it, how long or how short it is, all you're getting is the seed because the seed is the word of God. However, the seed is not the full expression. It's not the mature expression of the word, even though all the ingredients of what it's ever going to be are contained within it. You see, when a female egg is fertilized, conception occurs, right? Life happens. But if that fertilized egg doesn't land right, it doesn't get embedded in the womb properly, life cannot be sustained, life cannot flourish even though life was present. When you get the word of God, all you're getting is the seed. What happens so often in our Christian walk in so many of our churches today is when we come to church, when we go to Bible study or community group or we listen to a podcast and we get the seed, but because the seed isn't fertile, because the soil is inconsistent with what that seed needs in order to grow, it's not able to fully express what it's designed to become. It's not able to give the life and light which it was designed to bring when partnered with the right soil. Every plant... Every fruit that you know starts with the seed, but it only develops because of the soil. And friends, I want you to hear me on this. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the seed. The seed is the word of God, and the word of God is perfect. It's living and it's active. But here's what I want us to see. There is damage to the soil. There's damage in my soil. There's damage in your soil. And friends, so many of us in the church, as as God's people, we've become expert at soil management rather than soil transformation. Rather than acknowledging the damage in the soil in which the word of God lands, rather than entering into our own brokenness and our own need for healing and allowing the word of God to transform us, we come up with soil management tactics that make us think we're better off than we actually are. Make us believe that we're Uh, receiving the seed and nurturing the word of God, but when in reality that seed is trying to grow amongst thorns, rocks, and pathways that aren't conducive to flourishing or the nurturing of the seed, which is the word of God. Let me get a little bit of this Jesus. Let me get a little bit of that Jesus on the sample platter. Let me just get a taste of the Christian life. Let me attend church but never really get to know anybody or share my story. Let me just sing some songs, put my hands up, and worship, memorize some inspirational quotes, get some nice things going on my Instagram profile, maybe read a psalm or two every now and then, attend a Bible study, invest in a community group, maybe even give a few dollars in an offering plate. But as far as being radically transformed by Jesus and his word, letting the word of God affect Defend me, get into me, and orient my life. Yeah, I'm good. No thanks. That's not the Christianity I signed up for. Anybody relate to that? Because that happens in my heart so much more than I want to admit. Friends, is it any wonder if you look at all the stats that the church in America is just in a nosedive decline? Is it any wonder that we so often feel powerless to overcome sin in our lives, powerless to live the Christian life, struggling to live the way that God intended us to live? But friends, here's the deal. The word of God hasn't changed. The seed hasn't changed at all. No, no, no. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Friends, the word hasn't changed. It's been the same yesterday and today 
and forever. Maybe it's time that we start as the people of God to examine the soil. Hebrews 4.12 says this about the seed, about the word of God. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soil and spirit, soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, the word of God is living and active. It has power, but why isn't the seed flourishing in our lives? Because of the soil. Why aren't we growing? Why aren't we changing as God's people? Not because of the word, but because of the soil. You see, if God's word isn't working for me, if God's word isn't working for us, that the problem is with the soil. I'm the problem. You're the problem. We're the problem. And friends, I know this is hard to hear. This is such a hard message to preach because it's so countercultural to to what so much of our church and what our culture is saying. This is so countercultural to self-help, self-improvement, pop psychology. But listen to this. The power is in the seed. The power is not in the soil. The power to see change and transformation in your life is in the seed. It's in the word of God. You see, the power to see change and transformation does not come within us, but rather from the seed. It never comes from the soil. One of my master's degrees is in counseling psychology. Uh, I studied spiritual abuse and disillusionment in the evangelical church. I could talk about that for hours. But one of the primary reasons that people get disillusioned from the church today is because we've been given them a message that says everything that you need is to solve is inside of you. Just find it inside of you. Everything you need is there, right? Just find it in you. Try harder, do more, will it up. Look in the mirror and give yourself some positive self-talk. Everything that's going wrong in your life is external and the solution is internal. But you see, the problem with that is the Bible says you're the problem. Everything that you're facing that's going wrong in your life is starting because of where you're putting your hope and trust in the idols of your heart and your solution's external. Your solution is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his life, death, and power and what that means for you. The solution's never internal. The solution is always external. And we have so forgotten that in the life of the church today and then we're wondering why it's not working. You see, the world says the problem is with the seed. The problem is with the word of God. It's outdated. It's repressive. It doesn't allow you to be who you truly are. You, you can't be your, 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 your full self. You see, it's harmful. It's just fill in the blank. But Jesus is saying, let those who have ears, let them hear. The problem is the soil. The problem is the condition of our hearts towards God, not the word of God, not God himself, but the soil in which the word of God lands in our lives. So how do we restore the soil of our souls? We've seen that the soil is powerless without the seed. Yet the seed, in order to grow, in order to bear fruit, to yield a harvest, needs fertile and cultivated soil. We need to examine the soil and the areas of our lives in which the seed of the word of God is falling on thorns and thistles and outside of the ground that it was meant to be on entirely. What are those areas in our lives where we're not seeing fruit that the seed is designed to bring? What are the kinds of fruits that the seed is designed to bring in our lives? What's beautiful is Galatians 5.22 answers that with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
Friends, you see, these traits, these attributes are a result of the seed of the word of God finding good soil. You see, this is what a crop, this is what a harvest looks like. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, and self-control are what a harvest looks like. And it's not meant just to change us. This harvest is meant to feed a lost and hurting world with what is being produced in our own lives. Fruits of the Spirit are the result of the seed being nurtured and cared for and cultivated in the soil of our hearts, our minds, and our lives. But let's just break this down real plain. You want to address the soil of your soul? You want to restore the soil of your soul? Stop hanging out with people who look like you, think like you, Turn off cable news, stop worrying about Joe Biden, quit arguing about the He Gets Us campaign, quit listening to Donald Trump, turn off Fox News, turn off CNN, turn off talk radio, stop arguing with people on social media, get off that crazy left wing or right wing mailing list for the love of God, stop reading clickbait articles that's meant to produce anxiety and fear in you because we are a people of faith as God's people, not a people of fear. You want the word of God to like come into your life to restore the soil of your life. Let it get into you. Let it offend you. Let it reorient who you are and who you belong to. Because as that old hymn says, my heart is prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. It's prone to leave the God I love. But in order to reorient myself back, I can't pull that up in me. I can't will that up in me. I have to get into the Bible. Not just once, not just twice, but day after day after day. Because every message in our culture says run from that. I need to run towards this. We need to run towards this as the people of God. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, I love those attributes. Man, don't you want that for your life? Don't you want that in your performance review at work? Don't you want your neighbors to describe you that way? Because that's what's meant to happen when the seed is partnered with the soil. See, these attributes are why we find in verse 16 of our text saying, no one, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those can see it, can feel and see the light. No one lights the light and hides it. We, as God's people, are a city on a hill. We are designed to bring life and light to a hurting and broken world. The harvest of the fruits of the Spirit are actually not just meant for us. They're meant so that we can feed our lost friends, neighbors, co-workers, and cities with what happens when people are radically transformed by the Word of God. Imagine what would happen if Christians today, if the church today were known for these things. Friends, I think we would see a revival. What if our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our marriages, our dinner tables, our conversations became places of life and light and hope? Why? Because the seed was designed to yield a harvest. It was designed to bring light in the darkness. So as we start to close here, how do we address the soil? How do we restore the soil of our souls? We've got to ask God to reveal the areas of our lives where the seed is not bearing the fruit that it was designed to bring. And friends, hear me on this. The restoration of our soul starts with repentance. 
repenting towards God, maybe for the first time, saying, God, I don't want the life I have. I want life in you. I want to be known as a person of light and life. I want you to come in and experience me. But also repenting to each other, repenting towards offenses, repenting towards that arguing on social media, repenting towards how you act towards your coworker who doesn't think like you, vote like you, smell like you, eat like you, whatever. We have to be a people of repentance, not once, not twice, but 70 times seven as much as we are created for to run towards repentance together. Because in repentance, God meets us and he says, when you hear me and you experience me, I'm gonna heal you. And that's what we find in repentance. We find healing. So restoring the soil of our soul starts with repentance. It's, it's acknowledging and actively turning away from the thoughts and the actions that are out of step with the fruits of the Spirit of God. Friends, let's ask God to give us a desire for the harvest. Let's ask him to, to, to reorient us, to, 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 to meet us, to give us the faith that we need, the eyes that we need to see, the ears that we need to hear so that we can be a people who are known for what happens when the seed of the word of God meets the soil and the right conditions of my heart so it unleashes something in me that I'm known now more for what I'm against rather than what I'm for, right? I'm sorry, more what I'm for rather than what I am against, we need to be known as people, as love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control because that's what happens when the seed meets the soil and that harvest just isn't for us. It's for everyone around us. That's actually how the kingdom of God goes forward. You see, only the word of God can bring change and transformation. You see, repentance and faith cultivate and prepares the soil. We're not going to leave here just with Eddie saying, hey, all right now, guys, go try harder. Go do more. Go will this up in yourselves. I want you to try as hard as you can today. No, 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 that's not how any of this works. I want you to know that God meets you and he says, I am going to give you the strength. I am going to prepare the soil of your heart. All you got to do is turn to me and ask for it. I've done it. I've accomplished it all on the cross. The story of the Bible is not due. The story of the Bible is done. It's been done for you, and it's given you the power that you need to see change and transformation in your life. So as we close this morning, there's going to be people that are going to be here praying. If you need to come forward, if you need to ask for repentance, if you need to ask God to meet you in this season, if you want to ask him to cultivate the soil of your soul so you are known more for what the, that seed is designed to produce, the fruits that it's designed to produce, friends, I got good news. God's going to do that in your life if you ask him. Maybe some of you are here this morning, you say, I want to I meet this God. I want to meet this Jesus for the first time. We want to pray for that too. But we also want to pray that the, not only Greenhouse, but the churches of South Florida, the churches of our region, that God's people would be known as people of light and life as the world only continues to get crazier and the comments on social media only continue to get more and more divisive and crazy. We need the church. We need God's people more than ever to understand who they are, who they belong to, and what happens in their lives when the seed of the word of God meets the soil of their hearts so that we can feed our lost friends, neighbors, and co-workers with the fruits of the spirit that we were designed to bring. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you as your sons and your daughters speaking to our good father, a father who's not up in heaven playing whack-a-mole with us, just waiting for us to fail, waiting for something to go wrong so you can say, aha, I told you. No, you're a good father. 
darkness has run towards me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. You're a good father who cares deeply about the things that are on our hearts, Lord, the, the dreams, the desires, the aspirations, Lord. You know the things that we hide, the things that we posture, Lord, but you also know what you've planted in us to be agents of your kingdom, to bring light and life, to bring faith, hope, and love to a hurting, lost, and broken world. So, Father, as we sing, as we pray, as we meet with you, could we take you at your word that you love us more than we could ever dare dream or imagine, and you are calling us now to run towards our Father who has arms wide open, waiting to receive us, saying, Son, daughter, come home. I want to plant that seed in you, and I want that seed to blossom until I know who you are, until I know what I've called you to become. But would you do that, Lord, this morning, we pray.